What is up? Welcome back to the GOAT Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and I am joined again with Monica Teske. Monica, great to have you back on the program. Thanks. I. This is crazy. The draft is done, and wow, that was that was wild. That was a wild draft. It, it really was. Um, I'm exhausted, and we are not even halfway done yet uh, with <laughs> everything that we have to cover. And so uh, as we get started, I want to just jump right into the rumor mill. Um, a lot of things have been happening. Uh, many people may not know this, but today is the deadline for fifth-year options in the NFL. Um and Monica has a big old smile on her face because she thinks that one of those announcements today means something uh, pretty important to both of us because we have debated about such player. Uh, but I have a take on that, and I'll give it to you in just a minute. Um, well, considering who was not given a fifth-year option today, I feel I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's actually a few different players and I want to get your reaction to each of them. This is just what's been happening today. Um, the saints decided to not exercise their 2024 option on Cesar Ruiz's contract. And so the center slash guard that they drafted from Michigan now enters into a contract season. Uh, Monica, is this a good move or a bad move? Well, I kind of figured it was coming looking at their draft. I I kind of knew it was coming. I'm interested to see how it works for them. I don't know if I can say good or bad yet. I guess it depends on how their draft picks work. But, I mean, they need to save money, and it's going to help them save money. So, Well, the problem with the Saints, and this is one of the reasons why, and there's there's a trade we can talk about that happened during the draft that happened with your team, so we can bring that up and, and bring it in at some point. This is one of the biggest problems I kind of have with Sean Payton is almost no one from his last three drafts to now five are being kept. Um, Michael Thomas is basically only there because they cannot afford to get rid of him. Alvin Kamara is there to play out probably the final year of this contract, and then they'll probably move off of him. I mean, the, the Saints, they look like they're okay, but to me, they're in a lot of disarray. Yeah, they are. Um, So that was the first one that was kind of interesting to me was that the, the Cesar Ruiz deal uh, would not reach a fifth-year option. The Bills signed veteran uh, linebacker. They signed a veteran running back in Latavius Murray to a one-year deal. Um, that's uh, not surprising, but I think Latavius Murray, I just don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's going to be used much. No. Um, no. But do you, do you like or hate that? He did. He did all right his the last little bit in Denver. It wasn't terrible. I mean, Buffalo, I think, is like the ultimate running back by committee team. So I'm interested to see how that works and how the egos work and all that stuff. Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars declined the fifth-year option for Caleb on Kaysen, uh, or Chason, however you say that. Uh, he is now also in a contract year with an opportunity to cash in with a big season. 
Um, that one surprised me. Kind of did me as well because I, I, I know Josh Allen is the guy there, and I know that Kayvon, or Trayvon Walker is supposed to be the guy um, opposite of Allen. But I feel like Kayvon never really got a fair, fair chance. But I could be wrong. I mean, maybe there's a Jaguars fan listening to this and going, no, he was just terrible. But I don't know. To me, again, it's it's always cheaper to pick up the fifth-year option, in my opinion. It's always cheaper. Because if he does come out this year and he has this monster season, you're not going to be able to afford him. And so I would rather have the control and get rid of him later if we even need to get rid of him. Yeah, I... It was a little, it was a bit surprising to me, but that's what, that's what made me happier about what we did, but continue. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, Jeff Okuda is actually ineligible to receive a fifth year option. Do you know why, Monica? Because of the trade? Oh, I don't know. Not just because of the trade, but that's a good guess. Um, I thought that when I first read this. It's actually because as part of the deal to trade him, the Detroit Lions agreed to pay $1.5 million of his salary this season, and so that makes him ineligible to be given a fifth-year option because, for example, uh, we're going to get here for just a minute, the Panthers picked up the fifth-year option for defensive tackle Derek Brown, but they declined the fifth-year option for C.J. Henderson who they acquired in a trade with the Jaguars. So they were able to pick up a fifth-year option for Jeff Okuda if it hadn't been for that trade. So, again, if you are the Atlanta Falcons, was that $1.3 million really that pivotal in making this deal work? Maybe that's that's a sign that Atlanta doesn't completely believe in Okuda yet, and they're hedging their bets a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Browns picked up the fifth-year option on offensive tackle Jedrick Wills despite drafting Dewan Jones and uh, Luke Whipler in this past weekend's draft. Uh, Monica, is this smoke, or is he really going to be there for a long time? I, Whenever they picked up Dewan Jones, I was figuring that Jedrick Wills' days are numbered. So this one did surprise me a little bit because he is much more of an outside um, like he's much more of a tackle than, you know, interior and Whipler. I believe he's, he, I think he can play guard and center. Is that right? Or is it just center? Um, I do think he has some versatility there. I don't know for certain. And it is always interesting. You hear sometimes in the NFL draft, uh, this guy is listed as a tackle, but they actually call him a guard. Um, I think Whipler was announced as a center specifically. And so I don't think – if he had been announced as a guard, there's some debate about him being able to, to kind of move around the line and do both. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, I didn't like the uh, the move to pick up his option after drafting this tackle, Dewan Jones. I'm looking for another rumor. That's why it sounds like I'm stalling. Um, but uh, – Part of the problem to me is you have, what what is it, Conklin on one side of the line and then Jedrick Wills. 
Wills has not played well enough to deserve a fifth-year option. Um, that left side, that's where you see T.J. Watt. That's where you see, you know, the best the Bengals have to offer. It's where he's going to see Miles Murphy probably in a season or so. Um, I just I I don't I don't like it, but it you know they're right. Um, the uh, Denver Broncos made the decision to pick up Jerry Judy's fifth year option, and I do like that. Um, because here's here are the numbers on it. A one-year deal for $12.9 million. Great for Jerry Judy to get paid, you know, early, so to speak. But it's also really good for any NFL teams out there that are like, hey, we need a receiver and we really would like somebody cheap. Jerry Judy would be that guy. You know, most of the times you're trading for a wide receiver. Like, if if the Broncos are still going to make a trade, and there are a lot of reports swirling uh, that kind of say – left hand and the other. Some are saying, yes, it, it's just a depth issue. That's why Marvin Mims was drafted. It's just depth. It's just that. Uh, others are saying that, no, there is really some smoke to the fire. They traded up for this guy when they could have stayed pat and selected just a few picks later, Josh Downs. They trade up for Marvin Mims when they could have just stayed put and selected some other wide receivers to have that depth fulfilled. So they liked Mims enough to go get him. But the problem that I think kind of makes me wonder about whether it's going to be Jerry Judy or K.J. Hamler or Cortland Sutton is that Cortland Sutton has the bigger injury concern. So does Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler, those three. Now, Judy has had his fair share of injuries, don't get me wrong, but Judy's been the healthiest of, of most of them um, overall, which means he has the most value. Uh so if you if you trade him, you're going to net more than like if if an NFL GM called me for Cortland Sutton, I might give a sixth. But just because of the ACL, just because of the injuries, if it was for Tim Patrick, I might give a seventh in next year's draft or the year after, and not because Tim Patrick's not talented, but he had one year of production and then immediately got hurt in one of the worst ways possible for a receiver. And you want me to give a third-round pick or a fourth? I I couldn't do that. Um, Jerry Judy entering the conversation, though, and K.J. Hamler also is intriguing. If Judy is on the trade block, you're talking a second-round pick probably. That's not where you drafted him, but you're still getting a second-round pick, which you need. What are your thoughts on Jerry Judy's option being picked up? Okay, so I don't think it says much. Like, I don't... I think the Marvin Mims thing comes into this a little bit, but one of the Broncos' main goals in this draft was wanting to pick up a punt returner, a kick returner, and Marvin Mims and Tank Dell were the two guys that they had their eyes on. And they were thinking at 67 and 68, I believe were the picks, that that Marvin Mims and Tank Dell were going to be gone. So they moved up. They preferred Marvin Mims over Tank, so that's who they went and got. So I think the goal was more, we need a returner than we're trying to replace a wide receiver. However, it works because we need that depth because of injuries. I think it's going to be interesting because 
I still think one of your receivers gets traded. You have too many cooks in the kitchen for them all to be on the on the roster week one of the NFL season. Now maybe they're all on the roster, but three of them are on injured reserve. Uh, but you know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen yet. But I just have a sneaking suspicion that someone gets moved because Marvin Mims is the same body build as KJ Hamler, and so one of those guys no longer has a role. Um, in my opinion, when you're when you're building a team. You don't build all three receivers to be the exact same height and weight, and you want some variety to create mismatches. But that was one of the other rumors there is that the Broncos did end up pick up picking up Jerry Judy's fifth-year option. The last few rumors have to do with linebackers. And one of these makes me excited. Another one of these makes me just so mad. The first rumor is that the Ravens have declined the fifth-year option for linebacker Patrick Queen. And so he's in a contract year now. The Bears or the Jaguars are probably going to try to get him. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> I, I almost think if the Ravens don't trade Patrick Queen, that Patrick Queen might be one of those rare examples where he goes to a linebacker-needy team in Pittsburgh next year and says, I would much rather have the opportunity to play against my former team twice a year and prove them wrong, and he'll sign a cheap deal. If he does have a breakout season this year, the Ravens won't pay him because they have Roquan Smith, and they just paid Pat, uh, not Patrick Mahomes. They just paid Lamar Jackson. They don't have any money. And so this is... At some point, we need to do a podcast. We don't have time with all the draft coverage we've got to do, but at some point, we need to do a podcast talking about how NFL teams typically go to die when they re-sign their quarterback. And there's only one quarterback right now that genuinely believed in giving his team a hometown discount and gave it to them, and that was Patrick Mahomes. Um you know, it's uh, it's very interesting to see that Patrick Mahomes is an individual that says, you know what, I got no problem. I got no problem giving you a hometown discount, Kansas City. I got no problem giving, you know, less money a year. I'm fine with that. You know, you notice that Patrick Mahomes, after Jalen Hurts got re-signed, didn't go out and say, hey, I need to be given a contract extension that makes me the higher-paid quarterback. You notice how when Lamar Jackson was signed and was given a, a million dollars more than Jalen Hurts was given, Mahomes didn't go and go, well, y'all better renegotiate and make me a million higher. He's making almost $8 million less than the highest-paid quarterback. But the Chiefs are going to be in more Super Bowls in the next three years than the Ravens will be. That's not even a bold prediction. That's just a fact. Now watch, it's going to go the other way now because I said it, but still. Um, I don't, but with the Eagles, I don't know if that's the case because they have such a good foundation. Yeah, they and they replaced basically everything that they needed to replace. And they're so young. Yeah. Well, the next uh, fifth-year option that was declined was Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of the Cardinals. Has there been a more mismanaged player in the NFL than Isaiah Simmons? No. That one, it gave me hope 
in a weird way. I feel so bad for him because he has he went to one of the worst teams possible for him and his whole career has been so mismanaged. And I'm just hoping that he can go somewhere with someone who will appreciate him, keep him on the field, and use him. Actually use him. Hey, Pittsburgh, you know how you, the last like four seasons you've signed a linebacker every offseason? I would love this one, please. Um, I mean, Isaiah Simmons was drafted to a team that was running the 3-4 and then went to a 4-3. And after him basically being a middle linebacker with help his whole career at Clemson, all of a sudden is told, no, you don't get to have that help. Do everything by yourself, and the only help that you have are two outside linebackers. And then the very next year, they draft Zaven Collins. And you, you just kind of sit there and say, what are y'all doing? And Isaiah Simmons was getting work with the defensive backs, and for some reason, Cliff Kingsbury and him did not get along very well. He didn't like him, and so he never played him. And when Simmons was on the field last year, he made impact plays. Simmons, coming out of college, was a unicorn player where he could play DB and linebacker. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Chin kind of took that and bumped it up to a new level, but Isaiah, Sim- Isaiah Simmons was the OG, and he was never his talents were never fully utilized or even realized right. in Arizona. Well, and the, the, the craziest thing about it is that Arizona does not know what they're doing because <laughs> you have the chance this year to actually go get a pass rusher and you trade down. And you don't even end up with the pass rusher. Okay, B.J. Ojolari, sure. Sure. Not terrible, but that is legitimately like saying we could have had Troy Polamalu, but instead we're going to go for this safety that's going to be, you know, a safer pick. No, go get the freak athlete. Go get the guy that can make a difference on your squad immediately. Right. Um, The last headline is that Logan Wilson is apparently looking into getting a contract negotiated negotiated with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And I I know that you are anxiously awaiting to see him re-sign because (laughs) uh, we made a trade in part to include Logan Simmons. And so... I think Logan is one of those players that is definitely going to go down as one of the best older rookies that is drafted. He's already 26, I think. Um, And he's just an individual that is really talented. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hate playing against him every year. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with that. But, Monica, we are reviewing the AFC South today. And we are 20 minutes in, so we have 20 minutes to review four teams. We need to try to do five minutes per team, but we can do a little bit more if we need to. We're going to start with the Indianapolis Colts. What I have on the screen is my seven-round mock draft for the Indianapolis Colts. I also have to the left of my screen what the Colts actually did. You can't see that one. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Here's what's hilarious. I got their first 
four positions that they drafted right. <laughs> um, not not the players necessarily. Unfortunately, they did not take Will Levis like they had kind of told the world they were going to do. I bought that rumor hook, line, and sinker and should have thought about the fact that Shane Steichen would probably want the Jalen Hurts-type style of athlete. But I said in round one they were going to take Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. And in round one, they took Anthony Richardson. What we're doing today, Monica, is a love it or leave it. Do you love the pick or do you want to leave the pick? Okay. What do you think? For Anthony Richardson? Yes. Leave it. I agree. Um, And I'm not saying that Will Levis is, is the better quarterback there, but, but if you are – really trying to, you know, fix your franchise quarterback problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know that going after the inexperienced quarterback is the right, the right pick. No. Uh, So, yeah, at any rate. um, The injured one, the inexperienced one, yeah, no. Mm -mm. I'm going to leave that one. And everybody dogging on Will Levis, too. You go play for Kentucky's team last year. You go play hurt. You go do all this stuff and see how well you play. Yeah, oh, it is easy. And I'm going to I'm going to get really frustrated for a second here and just get really, you know, and I'm going to be unbiased when I say this, but I'm going to start with one and end with the with the one that I would be more biased towards. It is easy to say that Bryce Young is going to be a great quarterback prospect. But if you were going to draft Bryce Young after that Texas game, he would not have been a first-round pick. It is easy to say that C.J. Stroud is a first-round pick, but if you were to draft him after both Michigan games that he played in the last two years of his career, he would not have been a first-round pick. If teams that we know are just unequivocally the best at what they do, every year you're going to hear Bama's name. As long as Saban breathes life into that team, you're going to hear Bama's name. Every year you'll hear Ohio State's name for a long time coming, too. They continue to have good draft classes of recruiting and all of that other stuff. If they can have bad games with the superstar teams that they're almost always willing and able to you know, put out there, how can Will Levis actually play well? Because I don't remember seeing a star wide receiver being drafted this season from Kentucky. I don't remember seeing a star running back and a star tight end and the the star tackles and offensive linemen and defensive players coming off the board left and right. All I saw was a quarterback that was on an awful college team, and he fell in the first round, and I don't know why. The only the only player that I can think of right now from last year's Kentucky team that was drafted was Chris Rodriguez. And he was suspended for most, if not all, of the 2022 season. Don't forget Wondell Robinson, which was his best wide receiver last year. Mm-hmm. He got drafted last year's draft to the Giants and then got hurt and missed all of the rookie season basically himself. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Anthony Richardson throws 20 of his 30 passes into the dirt completes 10 of them for 200 yards because two of them were wide receivers weaving in and out of the defense, and we're going to crown him a fourth overall selection and just say, well, it's obvious that he's better than Anthony than Will Levis. And I think it's because people get 
enamored with the physical attributes. Mm-hmm. Way too much. Way too much. And with that, I'm going to say the same. I'm going to leave it. I would have. I would have rather them say, "We're taking Paris Johnson Jr. and we will go into round one." trade back in if we have to, and take Hendon Hooker or Will Levis. They could have literally said, you know what? Let me just ask you this. Monica, what's better? Paris Johnson Jr. at four, and then you you trade back up to the first selection after the Steelers at 33, which is what the Titans did, and take Will Levis. What's better, to have Anthony Richardson, and then you have to take an offensive tackle at 106, 102 picks later, or have the best tackle on the board and still get what many called a first-round talent at pick 33. Oh, definitely Paris Johnson. Definitely Paris Johnson and Will Levis. I would have done that a hundred times over. Same. All right, we can't talk about this all night, but... Well, we could, but we shouldn't. (laughs) It's true. Would you believe, Monica, that I got the next pick exactly right? That is pretty cool. I said that the Indianapolis Colts were going to select Julius Brents, cornerback out of Kansas State, and that's exactly what they did. They traded up to do it as well. So not only did I get it right, they are in love with this guy because they gave up other assets to be able to go and acquire him. So I'm going to say, because I did it myself, love it. I love the pick. I'm good with it. Let's, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do love it. That's that's a desperate need for them, and they filled it with a pretty good player. And round three, they got probably my third, you know, wide receiver in this draft, Josh Downs out of North Carolina. Uh, I love it. I I just think that Josh Downs is going to walk into any NFL, you know, stadium and put on a show because he catches everything. I've said this before. His highlight reel from college was 17 minutes long. That's crazy. You do not normally see that. And it's not just one of those where it's like, wow – Josh Downs, we're going to show and show and show the same four plays because I hate how NFL teams do that. Like when the Lamar Jackson contract scandal and everything, you know, was going on, Mm -hmm. the same five plays from Lamar's career were playing. And this was not the same five plays just being recycled. Josh Downs looks good. I said they were going to take Kayshawn Boot, uh, wide receiver out of LSU. He fell, unfortunately, way later than this. But I love this pick. Monica, what do you think? Well, I'll go ahead and save us some time and say there's maybe one or two picks left of the Colts that I would say leave it. I love their draft. Well, Blake Freeland out of BYU, offensive tackle. This was such a good pick. I like it considering the fact that they didn't get the offensive tackle in round one. Um, I, I still think, though, you could have you could have done both. You could have ended up with Blake Blake Freeland and Paris Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about having some bookend tackles. The offensive line. I think the Colts have My to learn word. their lesson from what they did with Andrew Luck, and then what they did with they went quarterback, quarterback, quarterback from other teams that were aged. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, Blake Blake Freeland can break that trend. I do love the pick because they needed it. Yeah, and I'm assuming you loved it too. Oh, I loved it. I also love their next pick. Yes, uh, me too. <laughs> Adetomiwa Adebaware. I am really getting better at that, I think. Um, you said it a hundred times already. Exactly. It's only the third time I think I might have gotten it right on the podcast, but hey, that's what we're doing. 
they trade up to get him, and he's the defensive tackle out of Northwestern. I love it. I'm sure you do, too. Yes, I do. Darius Rush, love it or leave it, cornerback in the third, in the fifth round. Love, 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 obsessed. Same. Daniel Scott, safety out of California in the fifth round. I don't really know much about him, to be honest. Same. Uh, to be honest with you, same. <laughs> Will Mallory, tight end in the fifth round. That's not a bad pickup. I mean, he'll probably See, just be a blocking tight end for them. That's about all he probably can be. But they have that already. So I'm going to say leave it. Like, they have five tight ends on their roster. Like, in an insane amount of tight ends. Um, Let me see here. They have one, just at the time of this recording, two, three, four, five, six. He makes six or seven because I think they also have Grantson. Uh, so they have seven tight ends on their roster right now. I just have a hard time thinking that Will Mallory is going to end up making the team. So I'm going to say leave it on that one. Mm -hmm. Evan Hull, running back out of Northwestern in round five. I think that's a quality pick. Yeah, he's not going to start with Jonathan Taylor there. But Jonathan Taylor missed time last year. And Deion Jackson played well, but also missed some time. So there is a chance where Evan Hull could end up being a, you know, a, a starting player for a season. And he's a pretty physical back. So I think he fits in well with that in that running back room Titus Leo edge player out of Wagner I don't know much about this guy no nothing about him Jalen Jones cornerback out of Texas A&M love it yeah they got three corners in this draft that I think could end up starting for them at some point um Jake Witt offensive tackle Northern Michigan University don't really know anything about him same so we're saying then unequivocally on the Colts draft that we would say the whole draft we love it yes all right, that brings us to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that seemingly in, in a lot of ways doesn't know what they want to do, um, but also does know what they want to do. It's a little strange. This was a um, really weird draft. A yeah, really they literally draft. drafted a guy with the name Strange. Um, so, <laughs> oh boy, let's see here. At round one, and I, I don't think I got any of their picks right, like any. <laughs> um Round one, Anton Harrison, love it or leave it? Meh, I'm going to say leave it. I mean... Yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, I'll say lowercase l, love it, because you did have to replace the player that you're losing to suspension and the guy that just signed over with the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's not a great pick, in my opinion. It was an emergency pick, and it just... It just reeks of an emergency. What's up with the Brenton Strange pick? I want to leave that one. Yeah, I'll leave it. <clears throat> uh, Tank Bigsby, leave it. What are you doing? I could not believe it. I am very vocal about my dislike for Auburn, but I really like Tank Bigsby, and I wanted him to go somewhere where I felt like he could have NFL success. And so leave it for Tank. Mm -hmm. Ventro Miller, linebacker out of Florida. Leave it again. Leave it. They drafted two linebackers in this draft. After drafting two linebackers last year. What are they doing? Like, you have other needs, right? I mean, they, they saw that the problem with them beating Patrick Mahomes was that they couldn't get to Mahomes and they couldn't cover why aren't they taking some corners in this draft? Yeah, I would have beefed up my defensive line and 
more than they did, and I would have gone DB more than linebacker. You're telling me out of a Ware would not have been a better pick at round four? Oh, he for sure would have. You're telling me that he wouldn't have been a better pick in round two instead of Brenton Strange? You're telling me there there were players on the board they could have had left and right. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Leave it. Tyler Lacey, defensive end out of Oklahoma State. Would it be bad if I said leave it on all of these except for one of them? Is that Antonio Johnson? Yeah. Same. So I'm with you. Uh, I like the Parker Washington pick. Uh, let me just say them for the podcast sake. Tyler Lacey, we'll say leave it. Yazir Abdullah, leave it. He was a linebacker in the fifth. Uh, Antonio Johnson, safety in the fifth. Love it. We we both like that one. Mm-hmm. Parker Washington's an intriguing pick in round six, a wide receiver, but I, I, I'd still say leave it. Um, He's probably going to be a practice squad player, honestly. Yeah, Christian Braswell, cornerback out of Kentucky. Leave it. Eric Hallett, defensive back out of Pittsburgh. Leave it. Cooper Hodges, offensive tackle in Appalachian State. Leave it. Leave it. Uh, Raymond Voasek, defensive tackle in North Carolina. Leave it. Derek Parrish, leave it. Their whole draft is a leave it, right? Yes. And they were supposed to do, they were supposed to be the AFC South version of the Detroit Lions in the NFC North. Oh, no. They, everything breaking their way. They tanked. Everything breaking their way. But nothing ended up being their way. We're going to go now to the Houston Texans draft. And let's see here. Let me pull them up on my board as well. I am very pleased to announce that I got at least one of these picks right. (laughs) Um, I did say they were going to take C.J. Stroud. I did not buy the rumors that he wasn't going number two overall. I definitely, in my no trades, you know, round seven mock draft, you know, seven round mock, I definitely did not anticipate the next pick to happen. No. But before we get to it, Monica, love or leave C.J. Stroud? Love. Will Anderson Jr. at pick three. Love. Love. Um, for a team that has almost always preferred the defensive end over the, you know, flashier offensive player, it was nice to see that the Houston Texans were able to walk away with both. Uh, that was kind of cool. Juice Scruggs, center out of Penn State. Um, Very, very, very small letters. Love. Yeah, I don't know much about him, so I'll just take your word for it. Tank Dell. Wide receiver in round three. That's not a bad pick. I mean. No, I would say love it. But I'm I'm a little disappointed because what you're telling me is the Denver Broncos were thinking, hey, we can get both of them. And they still could have selected Tank Dell at 68 and didn't. I mean, they wanted they wanted one of those two. They But they preferred Marvin Mims, and right. they figured that both of them were not going to be available when they came down to pick. It's funny how the draft works because we all get it in our heads. These players are going to go in round one or two. They fall mm-hmm. in round five or six. And then we say, oh, that, that guy's not going to be there in round three. And so we trade up to get him. And then it's like, oh, he probably would have been. Um, Dylan Horton, edge out of TCU. Love or leave it? Considering what else they've got, I'm going to say leave. But that one is pretty close to the line there. Yeah, I could see it going either way. I mean, he's not going to get snaps no. over Anderson unless he's hurt, but uh, he could possibly come off the mm-hmm. bench, you know, and be a very valuable third down pass rusher when Anderson needs to get a breather, and maybe that turns into something else. So I, I, I'll say love for now because I do know how fluid the edge position is. It does need to have at least four guys, but I get what you're saying too. 
Henry Toa Toa, linebacker out of Alabama. Leave, 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 leave. Yeah, when a when a Bama player, though I do think he was well coached, and I do think he will be a good teammate, when a Bama player of his caliber of college production falls to round five, it's never been a good thing. And one thing that he had a lot of issues with was being the captain of the defense. And in Houston, that's what he's going to need to do, and that's what he struggled with the most. So how does Houston expect him to all of a sudden figure out how to captain a defense? He couldn't do it in Alabama. He couldn't do it under Nick Saban. So what makes them think he's going to do it in Houston? It makes no sense. Well, Jarrett Patterson, another center, I'm going to say leave because, again, I don't uh, – why draft two centers? Why, why do you need to do that? I mean, if they announce him as a guard, that's one thing. But they've got here on NFL.com that he's a center. Mm-hmm. At this point in the draft, I was just looking at it on my phone. And when I saw the name Jarrett Patterson, I thought of the running back from, what was it, Buffalo? And I was yeah. like, Yeah, who went to the what? commanders a couple years ago. I was like, yeah. what? And then I looked at him more. I was like, oh, a center from Notre Dame. I don't really know that much about him. He, he re-entered the draft and still fell to round six. <laughs> um, I do love their last two picks. I like Xavier Hutchinson a lot, a wide receiver out of Iowa State. I thought it was very good value at 205. I will say that's incredible value in round six. And the same with Brandon Hill, a safety out of Pittsburgh. I would have thought Brandon would have gone in round four. Um, I was surprised he made it all the way to seven. Yeah, and you have Jalen Pitry there already, the, the guy they drafted in the second round last year. Brandon Hill does not have to be the guy, but I think he could eventually become a guy in their defense. So as a whole, I'm going to say – I'll say lowercase love it for the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's get to this dumpster fire of a draft. The Tennessee Titans. Um, <laughs> so on NFL.com, it literally has written top needs for each of these teams as you click on one. And the top needs for the Tennessee Titans was offensive line and wide receiver. So, Monica, you can see on the screen – my version of what I thought the Titans should do. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it is a fair assessment that I tried to do a very good job of fixing those two needs with yes. their first three picks? Yes. It's offensive tackle, offensive line, wide receiver. Here's what they actually did. I got Peter Skaronsky right. I'm very pleased with that. I was very happy you know, that they, they did do that. Um, end of list. <laughs> they, I, I like the play, like, I like their first round pick. I like the players in their first round pick, second round pick, third round pick, and sixth round pick. But I don't like the fits in Tennessee. No. Well, eh, so I, I don't love their first round pick, though I, I called it because I think he's undersized. I love their second-round pick, but I hate that he's in Tennessee. And if I were Will Levis, I would almost want to do an Eli Manning and just be like, I will not play for you. Because if I come out against a Super Bowl-caliber team that has one of the best defenses in the NFL and I am playing in the first-ever NFL game and it is prime time and I don't play well enough, you're going to draft my replacement next year. Because that's what happened to Malik Willis. Uh, To this day, no one other than the Manning family, knows why the Chargers were told Eli wouldn't play for them. 
But there's a part of me that thinks there's there's something to be said about we're not going to play for you because you don't know how to manage a team. The Titans don't know how to manage a team. Um, they drafted two offensive linemen, which is both of them. They needed one of the two, but the other one they, they needed to be different. And they also take Will Levis. I'm going to say... I'm going to say love it, but it I, I'm leaving the first-round pick. I'm loving the second-round pick. I don't get the third-round pick. You said that you liked their their selection in the third round, just not the team. I like talk about I the player. I like the player, not the team. Yeah, we'll talk about Tajay as a player because I did not think a running back in round three was going to be on the radar here. I figured Hassan Haskins has the build of what they were looking for. Tajay Spears does not. He's undersized compared to what they've dealt with with Derrick Henry, and no one's like Derrick Henry, but Hassan Haskins is as close to that as Najee Harris is as well. Um, right. When they turned in the card for Tajay Spears, I was surprised. I didn't expect that. I I really I think that he will – it's hard to say this. I think that they are signaling Derrick Henry's career – in general, or in Tennessee, is coming to an end. And that's what this pick signaled to me. Whether they think a big injury is coming down the pipe for Derek, or they're about to get rid of him, something is about to go down with him. That's what I saw in this pick, because you don't pick a player that is so similar in his playing style to Derrick Henry, if you, I mean, when you have the real deal right there. Yeah, I guess what you're saying is, if Tajay Spears hits the field in 23 and sees any valuable time, it's probably the end for Derrick Henry in Tennessee at least. Yeah, and I don't think that's the fault of Derrick Henry at all. I would love for him to get out of Tennessee because I think they're leadership right now is crazy it just kind of it just I think it shows how how low the value of the running back is right now well I'm gonna say then that I I do love the pick as far as what they're trying to do I, I don't like it for what it might mean for my fantasy team uh they didn't pick again and part of the reason because they traded up for Levis and Tajay Spears uh they didn't pick again until round five and there were some quality receivers that were still available. Kayshawn Boot, I think, at that point was still available. And some other guys as well. And they take tight end Josh Weil. And then all of their management, I don't know if you've seen this clip yet or not, Monica, but all of their management turned to the camera and went as they made that pick. And they they waved. I forget no one can see us. Um, I was waving like a moron. But that's what, I mean, that's how out of touch do you have to be that the NFL.com says, hey, your biggest needs are an offense and offensive line and wide receiver, and you do draft a wide receiver at 228. I don't know. They don't either. I don't know what's going on in Tennessee. Their own team. It's ridiculous. Also, they traded up for Spears. Yeah, Derrick Henry, something's going to go down on Derrick Henry, and I feel so bad for the guy. What if they were able, what if they were able, to, oh, by the way, no picks in this draft from the A.J. Brown trade last year. <laughs> the, wow. 
What if they were able to trade Derrick Henry to a team like, let's say, Baltimore? I'd hate that, but let's say Baltimore says, you know what, Lamar, we want to run the option. Derrick Henry's run the Wildcat before in Mm -hmm. Tennessee. We want to be able to protect you, and we want you to be able to run. Right now, no one's really afraid of J.K. Dobbins and the other running backs on their roster. They're good, but they don't strike fear. If you had to line up with Derrick Henry there. Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's linebacker problem would become a lot more apparent real fast. Yeah. What if the Browns said, hey, Kareem Hunt's gone. We'll go get Derrick Henry. And we'll just ride that out. And it won't happen, but, you know, just some what-if scenarios. What if Dallas? Dallas needs a line or a running back. You know, I don't, I don't think Tony Pollard is really sold as the star of the franchise. But at any rate, do you love or want to love or leave Josh Wall as a pick? Oh, definitely leave. Same with Jalen Duncan. I actually think that was pretty decent value for the sixth round. Okay. I love, I guess. <laughs> okay. Colton Dowell. Don't really know anything about him. Yeah, I don't think he'll be on their roster. Um, Probably not. Anytime soon. Well, that was the AFC South, and I like my draft better. I mean, I think that I don't. And I, I mean, I'll ask you: Do you like my draft better? Would it have actually been better for them to have gone that route? And remember, oh yeah, after one forty nine, I didn't even pick the last two. Yeah, I mean, right there at one forty nine, you got the you got Robert Beal, the edge out of Georgia. I don't know what was available at that point, so I may have gone somewhere else with that pick, but you addressed. The needs that they have very well. And so that the listeners know, I took Peter Skaronsky in the first round at 11 overall. Uh, at 42 overall, I took Osiris Torrance, interior offensive lineman out of Florida. Uh, very versatile, can play guard or center. Mm-hmm. And then at 73, I took Rasheed Rice, wide receiver out of SMU, who ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, how interesting is it to you, Monica, as we close today, to consider some of this I want to give you something and then I want to talk to you and give you a moment to uh, to tease some basketball stuff we'll start talking about on tomorrow's podcast you know we'll, we'll be talking about some basketball some hockey and I want to give you a chance to tease that but we heard the reports about Quentin Johnston and um, we heard reports about oh man um Quentin Johnston and what's the Boston College? Zay Flowers catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. But there was another guy that also caught passes from Patrick Mahomes in a training camp type scenario, and that was Rasheed Rice. And no one knew anything about that. There was not a tweet. There was not an official report. Nothing was stated about Rasheed Rice. Does that not show, like, the level of games that goes into the NFL draft? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I mean, you think about what the NFL draft becomes, and it's it's essentially a problem where every NFL team is trying to keep the other from knowing what they want to do. But the Chiefs said, we know that if we tell you we're taking a wide receiver, you're going to go and draft them. 
And the two biggest threats to the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the, you know, the two biggest teams that they've had to play over the last several years, the Baltimore Ravens select Zay Flowers, and the Los Angeles Chargers select Quentin Johnston. But the Chiefs go, okay, cool. We'll just take the guy that also worked out with Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes signed off on the pick. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs know what they're doing. They are giving Mahomes the right to run the franchise in the direction that he as a quarterback would want to see it go. It, it's not what the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. It's not what the Cardinals are doing with the uh, with Kyler Murray, even though they did go get Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. They have mismanaged that as well. Um, any Any thoughts on that before I let you tease the – other sports we'll talk about tomorrow. I think you've about covered it, honestly. That the Chiefs are better at everybody at the drafting than everyone else. I mean, that's about it. Well, tell them what's coming down the pipe. What what can we expect to hear tomorrow in the basketball realm and hockey? Tomorrow, I think we're going to try to talk about basketball playoffs and hockey playoffs. There were some historic type upsets over the weekend. Um, some very interesting games and maybe some budding rivalries that it'll definitely will be fun to talk about tomorrow. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Also tomorrow, I'm not telling you what team we're what what division we're covering. You have to come back and listen. So until then, take care. <laughs>